This is Inside the Writer's Head. In this podcast, you can expect conversations with writers, book lovers, and creatives of all kinds. Your host, Manuel Iris, is a Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library's Writer-in-Residence for 2023. The Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, creativity, and literacy, while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. My name is Manuel Iris. I am the current Writer-in-Residence for the Public Library of Cincinnati and Hamilton County. And in this occasion, I'm going to have the great pleasure of talking with Jennifer Hemlich. She is a six-time Pushcart Prize nominee and the author of the collections In the High Weeds, winner of the 2020 Stevens Award, Joyride, winner of the Marian Bluger Book Award, and Unscathed. Hundreds of her poems are published in the Columbia Review, the American Journal of Poetry, Maryland Literary Review, Santa Clara Review, the Main Street Rag, Poem, Modern Haiku, and dozens of other literary journals and invited anthologies in the U.S. and abroad. A frequent recipient of poetry commissions, Hembrick is currently serving as Poet Laureate of the 75th anniversary season of the world-class Chamber Music Columbus Concert Series. She continually seeks to dismantle the boundaries between art forms and so has often been featured in interdisciplinary collaborations, including with the Pulitzer Prize-nominated composer Max Lomax, the world-renowned New Music String Quartet Ethel, the Vivo Music Festival, and the noted visual artist Evangelina Philippides, among others. Winner of the 2020 Sheila Nagy Poetry Prize, the 2018 Haven Award Competition of the Haiku Society of America, and the 2021 Martin Lucas Haiku Award, Hembrick has also received awards from Tokyo's NHK World TV, Haiku Poets of Northern California, the Ohio Poetry Association, and many others. She was appointed the inaugural artist-in-residence of the Brindu Mansion in Greenville, Ohio. She is a public radio broadcaster, multimedia producer, and a classical musician, and lives in Columbus, Ohio. All of that is you, Jennifer. Thank you, and welcome to in, in Inside the Writer's Head. Oh, thank you, Manuel. It's such a pleasure to be here. This conversation is because of two things. One is because uh, we're going to talk about uh, Haiku North America, a conference that is happening this month and all of and hosted here in Cincinnati. And we're going to see how all of these things work, because also you are um, part of this organization. But before we get to that, having an artist like you in this podcast is very rare. You are a musician, a poet, a broadcaster, and a voice talent. And you do all of those things with grace and talent. How art happened to you? What came first? All of these things happen at the same time. You are a classically trained musician. How, how all of these things happen? Can you explain to the audience a little bit of your artistic biography? Sure, sure. I, I mean, when actually I started out in live, I guess, as a, as a dancer, really. But, you know, you have to be you have to you have to have a musical soul in order to be a dancer. I was really into dance for a long time. And then I got really into music, um, you know, overlapping with that and then decided to kind of go in that direction. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, which I did for for quite a, a number of years. In my first prof professional career, I was a professional flutist. 
Then I went to graduate school and uh, completed a, a doctorate, a PhD in musicology. Um, and but I come from a family, you know, of kind of wordsmiths and wordy people and writers. My dad was a journalist. Oh, yeah, yeah. My my dad was a newspaper reporter, uh, and and my mother, um, uh, you, you know, an academic. And and both both of my parents were tremendous writers. And I remember around the house there was always like kind of discussion about what we were reading and wordsmithing and stuff like that, you know. Um, so so anyway, to kind of cut to the present day, uh, you know, what in my in my my uh, full time, um, I, I think of a I, I'll call it a day job, but to me it's it's so much more than a job. I mean, it's so much fun. I, I so enjoy my work. You know, I often joke that it, it beats working anytime. <laughs> you know, it beats working any day, you know, I have a job like mine. Um, I am um, a, a classical music broadcaster, which of course draws extensively on my classical music background. Yeah. But I also have uh, written for the last almost 20 years uh, extensively about not just classical music, but the arts, um, uh, particularly the arts around Ohio. Um, for the media. And in order to write about music in particular, you really have to be a poet. Uh, and so actually my poetry career kind of came out of all the writing that I did um, and have done uh, about music. So um, so a kind of circuitous path, but that's kind of in a nutshell how I got here. You were born in the state of Ohio. I was, mm -hmm. I was born in Columbus. So music brought you to literature, but literature was always in your house. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I think so. I mean, I think um, you know, looking looking back on it now, I, I didn't I didn't realize how important language and words were mm. as I was sort of going, particularly going through high school, very uh, intent on 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 becoming a professional musician. Um, it really wasn't until my years in graduate school when I was really swatting the books and doing, you know, obviously a ton of reading and having to, to finish a, a PhD dissertation in the humanities, which is no small task, you know, uh, you know, and so therefore having to do a lot of writing that I really realized I needed to care, <laughs> you know, I needed, mm -hmm. I needed to know how to write well and, and, and fast, you know, and luckily I had um, a tremendous fortune uh, to to have um, written my dissertation, uh, I, I I completed my my PhD at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill in musicology, and my uh, dissertation advisor was Mark Evan Bonds, who was um, brilliant, brilliant musicologist and an absolutely beautiful writer. And I I remember um, uh, having uh, having him and his writing as sort of a um, as sort of examples. Uh, to to kind of look to as I was kind of finding my way through a PhD dissertation. It was really during that process that I I actually really learned how to write, um, and of course then poetry came came several years after I finished my doctorate. So yeah, in a way, music did kind of lead me to to literature. It certainly led me to writing poetry. When when I hear you talking about this part of your life, and and I think about about other friends that are also writers and musicians. Which are not many, and and even less uh, those that do both things as proficiently as you do. Um, I see that there is a, a level of awareness um, that sometimes comes as things are happening, and sometimes 
comes after. You, you you say that now retrospectively is when you realize how important were words in your house because they were so naturally there that yeah. you don't realize how important they are. And when it comes to music, I I I want to ask um you because for me um being a poet that also studied literature uh, there is like two different approaches to literature one that is very uh, knowledgeable of what he's doing all the time which is the theoretical part i know what i'm reading and i am constantly dissecting but when i start writing poems i have to unlearn or at least forget you know and when i think of you this happens to you in two different ways because you are the musician and the musicologist and also uh, the phd in humanities and the poet so mm -hmm. there are, there are these two sides in this at least these two different kinds of art which makes like four of you <laughs> how, how these parts intercommunicate so so okay so so my my phd is in musicology you know so um and and i guess i would say that um i i you know i i think for, for what you know i suspect that what i experience with music is very much like what you sometimes experience when you're reading literature when i listen to a piece of music i can't help but think about what is going on in the piece of music i think about you know chords and keys and and oh isn't that an interesting harmonic move from that chord to this other chord and i think about large scale architecture large scale form of a piece and how the architecture of a piece is articulated Yes. moment by moment and section by section and phrase by phrase and so on and so forth. I can't kind of turn off that part of my brain, but that's okay to me because I feel that's part to, to, to me to be able to hear a piece of music in that way is really fascinating. It just kind of sucks me in. And I just, yeah. I, 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 it's, it's interesting to me and enjoyable to have that kind of intellectual connection with the music. I don't feel like I can so much do that or 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 that I so much do do that when I am reading a poem or reading a novel, you know, in 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 this in the same way that a literary critic, you know, who is extremely well trained and well read in that in that field really does. And so for me, maybe it's a little bit of a shorter jump than maybe it is for you to go from reading a poem or reading a novel and to turn off my sort of thinking brain and then, go to you know sort of pivot to writing a poem um you know in, in a way maybe what i'm saying is you know I, i'm a little bit uh less uh, well schooled in that sense probably than you are um you know on the literary side um so i i would i would not say that there are really four of me <laughs> I'm saying there's maybe like two or maybe even like Maybe like one and two thirds of me. <laughs> one musician and kind of like two thirds of a of a literary type person. So, and how much the musician is looking over the shoulder of the poet when you write? Oh yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Do you do you write? And I'm asking you this because for me. You know, every every poet has its own process. For me, writing is a musical process. I don't have ideas. I have a melody. And, and that melody becomes 
syllables and those become words. And then I realized that there was an idea behind it, but I'm, I'm pursuing uh, a, 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 a cadence. I'm pursuing a, you know, a melody. I, how, how is that for you? Do you, do you have a, an idea mm -hmm. or do you have a sound? Uh, well, so initially, I usually have either an idea or a, a gut or physical sensation, you know, you, you know, so sometimes my body, I, like I, I, I process a lot somatically, I process a lot bodily. You started as a dancer. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and and actually music is, you, you know, movement is incredibly, yeah. is incredibly, incredibly important for performing musicians, how you move physically is just an incredibly, how you move physically determines the quality of sound you make on your oh. instrument or when you sing or what have you. Um, so it's absolutely tied in. So I process a lot somatically, I process a lot bodily. And sometimes I will get a an actual physical sensation that then I will turn inward sort of to my intuition and read for, for what it means, you know? Yeah. And very often, very often, uh, uh, in order to determine for myself that meaning, I have to pick up a pen you know, and start writing or go to my keyboard and start writing. Um, that's, that's one way that I do, but very often I will have an idea of, you know, oh, you know, wow, that was an interesting experience I had maybe years ago. And, and I think that would be the basis for a, um, for a poem that could connect, you know, with, with, with readers that people could connect with that would say something about kind of, you know, universal human experience. Uh, and then when I actually do sit down to writing, however I get there, you know, um, then I 100% I, I, I tune into my intuition and listen for the rhythms of the words and listen for the, the phrases to come. Um, so I would say that it's, I'm fascinated to hear you say that, that, that your, your writing is, you know, you always start with a melody, which I, I just love. I just love that idea. Um, and now that you've said it, now I kind of want to, I want to kind of cogitate on that and let see if see if I can even maybe bring some of that into my own work. But but I, I tend not to um, to start that way. How would you define or describe? If, if defining is difficult, but how would you describe your 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 style, your writing style? What what are your preoccupations? What are your obsessions? And how do you touch them with your words? It's an interesting question. Um, I, 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 I can't, and, and I, unfortunately, I think I'm probably the worst person to answer it. I, I would love to hear how, I would love to hear how some other poets, you know, would respond to that question about themselves and then also about me, you know, and my work, because I, I, I actually, as a writer, I have always striven to expand my, you know, kind of the my range, if you will, you know, as yeah. a writer, like... That seems I, evident, given the amount of disciplines that we're talking about. Like, well, well, you know, and, and I, I think, it, to me, it kind of keeps things interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I don't have a particular subject you know, that, that, that like, I, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, writing about, um, I, I, I kind of, I just feel like 
you know, if, if, you know, if I feel like, I guess I feel like, you know, first and foremost, my job as a poet, my job as any kind of writer, whether I'm writing poetry, whether I'm writing about music for the media or what have you, is to, is really to connect with the reader, you know, to say something interesting, to say something meaningful, you know, to say something that can make a reader stop in his or her tracks and, and, and think for a moment. And the, the, you know, and the biggest thing that I want to do as a poet, I have to say, is break my readers' hearts. You know, I want to break my readers' hearts. Tell me more about this. this you know, I, and 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 this is this is sort of like I think this is going to turn out, Manuel. I think this is going to probably turn out to be my great white whale as a writer. You know, <laughs> finding finding the way every single poem to break my readers' heart in, in a good way you know, in a good way to make, to make their hearts sort of crack open a little bit so that, you know, they can experience the sort of depth um, of, 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 of their own, yeah. you know, emotions. Well, through that crack, something is going to come out or something is going to come in. Well, right. Yeah, actually, well put, well put. And maybe both. Yeah. Maybe both. So that's, that's what I really, that's what I really aim to do. I can't, I can't say that I've written many or even maybe it's any a very ambitious aim but yeah, well, yeah. a very fair aim <laughs> well yeah I, you know and i was just about to say i can't say that i've written many or even any poems that that i would say you know definitely break my readers heart i i can't i can't say that um but but that is i think what you know what what i want to do well, we can always aim and, and and then we will have to ask the readers Exactly. Um, because we, we don't know. We, we, yeah. We're aiming. Have you ever, do you, do you, do you listen to music while you write? I can, yeah, I, I, um, you, you know, it's when I, when I sit down to write, I don't sit down and then turn on a, uh, rate, you know, turn on a piece of music. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but I can write while the music is on, if that makes sense, you know, okay. Um, it, it, it to me the music the music is wonderful, but again it, it sort of engages my left brain, right? Because it I you know I find myself analyzing it, so it can be a little bit distracting. But on the other hand, it can also lead me to real emotional depths within myself. I, I there was one one of my poems that I wrote actually it's really kind of one of my earliest poems. I was listening to a, a piece of choral music, gorgeous piece of choral music, and all of a sudden I just listening to the music it caused me to kind of you know, the sort of well of emotion kind of welled up in me and, and I just had to write. And so I just, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't have a kind of idea or a theme to sort of write about, but I just knew I had to write something. And so I just said, okay, I'm just going to see what comes out. And this poem came out and it ended up being a very, um, a poem that was like deeply, like deeply um, meaningful to me. Um, and it came, came really out of my depths, but the music made that happen. So, so I, so I, I don't, I don't automatically turn on the radio or, 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 you know, fire up a piece of music online or, or something like that when I sit down to write, but I can, I can write to music and sometimes it, it's, it's quite powerful. I'm sorry. I'm asking you all of these questions because I find this process so interesting. Yeah. As a, as a writer, you also, as a poet you engage and, and before because like, i want to talk about how you engage with lyrical poetry that has no a uh, meter etc 
and you also engage with these very formal uh, forms of, mm -hmm. of poetry. But before that, I want to ask you, as a writer, why poetry? Why am I not talking to a novelist and a musician or uh, to a, sh a short story writer and a musician? Why poetry? It seems intuitively the right choice, but I want to know from your perspective, why? Well, I, I think it probably was my intuition that that led me to poetry. I, I, and I have to say that when that, that I, I didn't set out to become a poet ever, you know, um, and actually, when I started writing poetry, uh, when was it like maybe, I don't know, 11 or 12 years ago, I, I, I actually at the time was, you know, I, I had I had had a, a, an idea that I still think would be a good idea for a novel. Um, uh, and, and maybe someday, maybe someday I'll write it. I don't know. But mm -hmm. I was carrying around a little notebook and sort of jotting down ideas as they for this novel as they came up to me, ideas about, oh, this character can be this way, or, oh, there can be a scene between these characters that can then lead to this other thing, you know, plot, you know, kind of thing. But I didn't have a lot of time, you know, I was working full time and and, and everything else. Um, and so I just kept this little notebook with me to kind of jot stuff down for this novel. But around the same time, I started going through a sort of um, um, insomnia phase, which happens to me from time to time, you know. And um, I kept waking up in the middle of the night with like these lines of text running through my head, like sentences or even fragments of sentences. Mm. Um, this kept happening. And, and then I'd say, okay, well, I, you know, I'll remember, I'll write it down, you know, when I get up in, in, in the morning or later in the morning, then I would never remember, of course. So I put a little notebook on my bedside table so that the next time it happened, I, I would just have, be able to just jot it down and then maybe hopefully get back to sleep. So uh, next time it happened, I, I grabbed the notebook and I, I started writing. And, and and what came out was like something that was like really long and skinny on the page. <laughs> you didn't reach the end of the page. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I sort of held, I sort of held the, the page, you know, the notebook, you know, kind of at arm's length and squinted my eyes a little bit. And I read it and I said, you know, this looks like a poem. And I said, I, I don't know to myself, I, you know, I don't know if it's a good poem but I, or you know I don't know if it's a good poem yeah but I don't think it's a bad piece of writing mm -hmm. and so you know so I, I took that poem to the poetry forum and I read it I received some really encouraging feedback and I just kind of kept doing that so that's how so so and then and then I learned you know kind of years into this kind of poetry uh thing uh you know I that that's when I sort of pieced together um that really to write about music, which I had been doing a lot of for the media at that point in time, and 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 you know in my academic training, you really do have to be a poet, you, you know, in order to write really vividly and engagingly mm -hmm. about music. You have to be very very comfortable with metaphor because honestly, it's just a, a hop, skip, and a jump. There, I I remember you reading out loud one of your poems uh, when we met, which is was uh, maybe a, a, a month ago or something like that in Columbus, where um, a lot of poets, in, you included, were responding to visual art. Yeah. And you were responding to a piece of art that was a, it was clay, it was a plate that had a heart, a human heart, all of this made out of clay a human heart 
asparagus and some potatoes, I think. Yeah. I don't remember the name of the piece. Mm. But yeah, the, the yeah, the piece was was called Balanced Meal. Yes. But by Sophie poem, Me. But, but, but I remember the title of your poem. Your poem was called Wild Cut. And I thought that it was very intelligent. It was it was a, it was a beautiful finding. And I remember you reading out loud. And I didn't know at the time anything about you except for your name and that you were the person reading. But it was very evident to me that your poem was easily uh, read out loud. Hmm. Like the, the one of the qualities of this poem was that you you are a poet with a very good ear. You put words together that work musically. Then I learned that you were a, a musician and it was everything made sense. Um, hmm. But I think that, uh, that 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 could also be at least from when I see you and I and I hear your work, um, that could also be an influence of music in your work. Uh, you have you have work that that can be read out loud um, very easily. It it sounds well. It it has it has those musical patterns. Thank you. Um, Appreciate that. <laughs> um, this also for for I don't know for the audience to uh, to know how we met and and where yeah. the conversation started. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I should I should also jump in that that uh, the, a similar kind of thing impressed me about your poetry as well. And, well, and, I, and maybe and maybe that was actually how our you know kind of conversation about yes, poetry and music yes. kind of you know yeah yeah. Yes. Well, you, 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 um, it was also the. Because we, we we talked a little bit about the two different languages. In, in my case, it was actual languages, English and Spanish, and, and with you, it was is the the language of music and the language of literature. How they mm. how they how they how they connect. Mm -hmm. Now you are a poet. Now to to go to the original subject, you are a poet that writes lyrical poems mm -hmm. in free verse, mm -hmm. but you are also a poet that has been awarded for writing haiku. Mm -hmm. How how do you conceal these two very different approaches to to poetry? One that has this little box in which everything has to fit, and this other one that has to tear down the box hmm. to be completely free. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I, I guess in a way, I don't think of a haiku as a little box in which things have to fit. Tell me. Um, Tell me. I, I mean, you, you know, to, to be sure, haiku is short. Yes. Um, you know, we, we don't, you know, uh, in, in English, haiku in English, you know, for the last hundred plus years now, you know, has been a thing. Um, and, and, and I want to also, I want to also add for that reason, you know, there, there are, um, there are any number of poets um, writing in the English language mm -hmm. before me, right? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. who, who course, have started out as like, as lyric poets and then have, at least taken little excursions, you know, into, yeah. into writing, you know, into writing haiku. I mean, it, names you'd recognize, <clears throat> excuse me, names like E.E. E. Cummings. And of course, you know, Jack Kerouac, Gary Snyder, um, Richard Wright, um, um, present day, um, uh, and Sonia Sanchez, you know. Um, so, so this is, this is not, you know what 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 i do which is to have you know two feet in the lyric poetry world and then 
two other feet in the the the, <laughs> the, the world of haiku and, and related genres is, is nothing you know is, is not unique yeah. and it's it's not new but it is a little unusual um because i i think i would say that that most uh lyric poets writing in english don't yes you know um write haiku um and and vice versa most you know haiku poets writing in english probably don't write a lot of lyric poetry though there are some there are some yeah. you know i know some um so so as far as as far as the little box goes for haiku i mean yes they're short poems we don't generally write five seven five five syllables seven syllables five syllables it's a little bit of a myth a little bit of a misnomer we're kind of taught that here in the united states in grade school this is kind of wrong <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um you know um you can do that but it's not an imperative but so but you know roughly 17 syllables that you know that is kind of the box and then there are there are some other handles if you will into the form that that if you're going to to take the form seriously and and really write kind of if i can put it this way serious haiku you need to know about it you know and the, like you need to know the aesthetics of any art form that yes, you're working in yes absolutely um so but beyond that a haiku can can be just absolutely as mind blowing as as the most lyrical, sweeping, breathtaking lyric poem. So that's kind of how I choose to think of haiku. But also my approach in, in a sense, you know, musically speaking with haiku is very much the same as my approach uh, to, you know, to, to, to lyric poetry. I really write by sound as much as I write by feel and idea. Um, and, and, and that approach, um, with with haiku actually you know has has led in the last year or so in particular led me sort of into a a you know down a particular stylistic path with with haiku in order to kind of um reconcile if you will my you know how i was writing haiku with how i was writing lyric poetry i felt for a while like i was sort of two different poets you know, working in, in, in lyric poetry over here with, you know, the imperatives, if you will, of the aesthetic imperatives of lyric poetry to kind of put words together in strange ways, you know, and push the imagery and, you know, y- you know, um, put ideas and words together in strange ways. Mm-hmm. And then over here working in haiku for a while, I felt like I was sort of writing about, but you know, butterflies and daffodils and stuff like that. And, and not very, you know, not very you know, frankly, um, in, you know, what I want to say, um, breathtaking way. Um, so, you know, so, so I, I had to kind of veer out toward the kind of avant-garde end of the style spectrum in haiku and really kind of do a little bit of an intensive study of avant-garde haiku aesthetics and 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 kind of take a little bit of a deep dive in avant-garde haiku aesthetics and writing a lot of avant-garde haiku in order to find kind of a voice in haiku that had some degree of integrity, if I can put it that way, with my voice as a lyric poet. And so I feel like I have found that now. So there was a continuation and not a... yes, an yeah. So 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 that I wouldn't so that I would no longer feel like like two different poets. <laughs> um you know so so that's kind of how uh, a lot that's a lot in there but that's kind of how i i make it work for me and and when in your in your artistic timeline you started writing haiku how did you arrive to haiku when did you get that interest 
So I think, I think it was like maybe, I want to say 2015 or 2016. Okay. So I've been writing lyric poetry for, you know, several years and, um, and I here here too. I, I think how how the haiku thing came about was by way of a, a bout of insomnia. Kept waking up in the wee hours of the morning and couldn't get back to sleep. And so I thought, okay, well I'll get up. I'll I'll write something. I'll write I'll write a little funny haiku. And at the time, I had no idea. I was just writing short little poems that that you know because I hadn't studied anything about haiku aesthetics. I mean, at that point in time. And I would just, I would write a, a little poem and I would put it out on Facebook and, you know, people would laugh about it or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, and then I think I saw in, so, in, in, in some very, very good lyric poets bio, you know, that they were published in this journal, this journal, all these great journals and modern haiku. And I thought modern haiku, now isn't that interesting? There's a haiku journal. So I went on modern haiku's website and at the time I didn't know it, but modern haiku is actually one of you know the, the foremost English language haiku journals out there. I mean, it's a really, really solid journal, very, very venerable journal. And so uh, on Modern Haiku's website, there's a sample page of, you know, like, you know, with like maybe a dozen of the haiku that are published in each, uh, in, in that current issue. So you can kind of check out sort of the kinds of poems that are published in the journal. I read those poems. I kind of dissected them in my brain, such as I could at the time, even though I, I, you know, because I didn't know much about haiku at the time. Tried my hand at writing some, and it was either the first, um, it was either the first submission I made to Modern Haiku, or maybe the second. I don't know. Anyway, the, the editor accepted one of my haiku, and of course that was very encouraging, and and Indeed. I kept writing. So, you know, and I, you know, I look back, I wrote a lot of not great haiku. I mean, I have drawers and drawers full of haiku that are not great, you know, I mean, you know, but that that's how I got into it. And then you stick to it. I, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you stick to it so much um, that now you are part, and you're going to tell us that you're not only a part, you're a very important part of... HNA, the Haiku North America. What is Haiku North America? How is it born? Sure, sure. Haiku North America uh, is a conference that takes place every two years. Um, the first conference uh, took place in 1991 in San Francisco. Uh, the conference was started by Gary Gay and Michael Dillon Welch, um, who are haiku poets who both still serve uh, as um um, on on the Haiku North America executive uh, today. They're still basically directors of the conference today. And they are joined by Deborah Kologi and Paul Miller, who is actually also uh, the editor of Modern Haiku Journal. The conference takes place, um, like most conferences, in a different city, each iteration. Uh, and uh, each conference is created by a group of uh, volunteer organizers in that location. Uh, the organizers of this year's conference, Haiku North America 2023, are all spread out throughout Ohio. There are folks who live in Cincinnati who are attending to um, a lot of the local arrangement matters. Um, I and my committee, I, I I'm the program chair for Haiku North America, and I chair the program committee. Uh, and, you know, as you said, I live in Columbus. Uh, the, the, the other members of the committee um, are from the northeastern Ohio area. And we've been meeting on Zoom to plan this year's conference. And the uh, the conference this year will take place June 28th through July 2nd 
in downtown Cincinnati. That is so exciting. I have to say that when I learned of this conference is when I learned that, that this existed at all. Yeah. I had no idea that there was a national conference of only haiku. Yeah. What, what happens in this conference? This is this these are not only poetry readings, I assume. What 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 can uh, the the attendance to this conference expect? Sure, sure. There there are readings, but there but there are lots of presentations. There are craft presentations, there are more historical slash theoretical presentations. Uh, and this year, the the program committee had like really thought long and hard um, about putting together a, a program that was that was as balanced as possible between the craft uh, type presentations and the historical and or theoretical and or aesthetic uh, type presentations. Uh, so I think we have a really balanced program. Um, there are um, writing workshop, you know, work workshop type sessions uh, also in uh this uh this year's conference um as as you read at the top of the uh the session here um i um i write a, a fair amount of highboon which is a uh, a genre that 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 blends it's 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 a hybrid genre with uh prose and and haiku and this year um one of the uh, ideas i had for a session at haiku north, uh, haiku north america was uh, for a haiboon film session so we're going to have a whole session devoted to short films very short films um, based on and inspired by haiboon um, that were written by authors all around the country all around north america and then there may even have been some some international authors uh haiboon that were made into films as well um so and then of course there'll be some fun stuff um but this all sounds very fun i mean um i assume that people that likes haiku it is not rare that they go to conference year after year like this seems to be a crowd that is very devoted yes to this yes. genre Yes, yes, there, there is um, uh, um, the, the, the haiku, the English language haiku community is a global, truly global community because English is a global language. Yes, absolutely. Right. So, so here in the United States, we have haiku North America, we have, um, excuse me, the haiku North America, which is the conference. We have a separate organization, the Haiku Society of America. Uh, there's also Haiku Canada. There's the British Haiku Society. There's the, I think, you know, Australian Haiku Society and so forth. There, there are haiku organizations in India, in, uh, in just, uh, you know, the, lots of European writers who are maybe not native English speakers, but, but, but speak and read and write the language extremely well, who write English language haiku. This is, and it's, and it's, it's a very devoted community and we see each yeah. other's names and we see each other's poems in the haiku journals, which are published all around the world. And so a lot of us are friends on Facebook and we interact on Facebook. I mean, it's, it's a very, um, it's a pretty tight knit community, but I will also say it's extremely welcoming. It's an extremely yes. welcoming community. And, and that is actually another thing that people can experience at Haiku North America as well. I, I think the hospitality of that conference, which I've attended a, a couple of times as, as sort of a, as an attendee, not as an organizer, you know, I think the the hospitality of that conference is actually really one of its hallmarks. Um, and that that stems, I think, out of this, this global English language haiku community, which is so warm and welcoming. I think about other forms 
fixed forms in literature. I think, for example, in the in the Spanish language, we would think about the, the, the sonnet, for example. Yeah. Um, which was not um, indigenous to the Spanish language, but that we imported from Italian, and it has a, a, a precedence in 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 Latin, but but we adopted it as as ours. You know, for centuries now, the sonnet is one of the most important fixed forms in Spanish poetry. And now I think about haiku, this Japanese form. And I hear you talking about English language haiku. And I I, I, I want to ask you, why do you think that this form that was so foreign in so many ways has been so successful in in the English language and now in the 21st century? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, I I can't answer it authoritatively. Maybe there are, there are haiku poets uh, who have been doing haiku longer than I have who could uh, or who could come closer, but uh, I, I can only conjecture, um, you know, as we've said, it's, you know, haiku, it's a very short poem. Yes. Uh, and I, you know, and I know that in the English language realm, um, some poets uh, feel comfortable with that, ex that, you know, fairly extreme limitation of length. If someone hasn't written a lot of poetry in other genres, uh, or maybe hasn't done much writing all told, giving them a blank page and telling them just to, you know, start writing and use as many words as you want can be sort of like, you know, throwing them enough rope to hang themselves. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. but I could have, you know, there's definite limitations. And, and for some folks, I think that that's, that's very comfortable. And while there's a range of styles and expressions of the haiku form, there are still some more or less set features of haiku that really define the genre that basically all haiku or at least the vast majority of haiku have you know i i don't i don't like to talk about haiku as fixed forms or formulaic poetry you know because there's really a lot of diversity in what writers have done with the genre uh, but but there are some specific ingredients to haiku that you can aim for when writing haiku and those elements give poets you know kind of a bit of a framework for crafting their poems and so are sort of handles into poems. Um, I, I, and and I like it's always kind of, it. I think it's, you know, it's always comforting to have at least a little bit of a roadmap for something new and yes. create. So, so there's some nice ways into the form and there's a welcoming space in which to write once you're there. And I think both of those things make haiku actually they're really, um, I, I, can I use the word accessible in a good sense? Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It, 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 but now, now that you, that you, now that you put it this way, it is making me think very differently about haiku in general. Because um, what I said about the box, in this case, you, you don't talk about a box, but about about handles or about some sort of a roadmap, which which takes all of that anxiety away because it's yeah. actually helping you. You know, it's not leaving you alone to do right. something. Right. And I'll just add, you know, what is that? I can't remember who said this, but genre is more of a pigeon than a pigeonhole. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, sort of, okay, well, what is this pigeon going to, what is this pigeon going to do? <laughs> Instead of, well, I've got a box here. I better find a pigeon for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Now, um, do you have now available to read to our to our um audience a couple of haikus of yourself? Yeah, sure. You can share. Sure. So um I have a couple of haiku. Um I'll read one that's a, maybe a little bit more traditional in style or neoclassical and one that's maybe a little bit more on the um, avant-garde end of the, the style spectrum. Okay. Um, Frostfield, oh, and I should say, I'm sorry, this is the one that's a little bit more traditional. Frostfield, a quiet walk through the Milky Way. Frostfield, a quiet walk through the Milky Way. And the other haiku, which is a little bit farther out there in terms of imagery and so forth. Broken stars, deep in the sonogram, a silence or two. Broken stars, deep in the sonogram, a silence or two. Books are very different poems, very, very different aesthetics. Yeah. And, and um, I think that our readers that care about poetry and our readers that care about haiku and, and, and our readers, our, our listeners that care about, about music are now, by this moment, very interested in in the conference. Before we Before we say... Goodbye. Before we finish this episode, um, could you repeat to the audience the dates of the conference? If if they if you're still accepting submissions, if I can just go as as part of the audience without having to read a haiku of myself, like, uh, can you tell, make a the, an invitation to our listeners to attend uh, this conference in downtown Cincinnati this month? Absolutely. So Haiku North America 2023 takes place June 28th through July 2nd in Cincinnati, downtown Cincinnati. Um, it's an enriching and fun experience. And I would also say it's a warm and convivial experience. Um, you, It is not too late to come. In fact, um, I believe for the at least the first two or three days of the conference, and I wish I had this off the top of my head, you, you could even just show up um, you know, in the morning on those days, uh, and and uh, and and you know, kind of register for 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 the rest of the conference. So you can you can do that. But check out all of those details uh, as well as the program and everything else uh, at haikunorthamerica.com. And uh, come on over to Cincinnati this summer and meet us. Thank you so much, Jennifer. This was a beautiful conversation. It's just the first one. We I know that we will have others in the future to keep talking about poetry, music haiku and uh, your literary and musical work thank you so much for being part of inside the writer's head oh thank you so much manuel it's been a great pleasure this has been inside the writer's head we hope you'll keep joining us for in-depth conversations with writers and other lovers of books journalism libraries and the literary arts the writer in residence program is made possible through the support of the library foundation Learn more about the program and upcoming events at chpl.org slash WIR. Thanks for listening.